1: It's Big Blue Banter, the answer to all your Giants matters From run game to coaching to Bob Shepard's timbre Hosted by Dan Schneier, analysis on fire A Giants fan since day one, now preaching to the choir Joined by Nick Filato, breakdowns with bravado Passing you the facts like he passes on gelato From just outside New York a couple football dorks. A killer podcast when Dan says receiver corpse. They do the play-by-play, dropping almost every day. These experts know the X and O's just like Danny O'Shea. They do the review of the All-22, dissecting every throw. O.C.U. Minoru lit up in Venora when he was a guest on the show. So there you have it. A podcast for Giants fans who are rabid. Who can't wait for Sundays. The NFC East the Fantasy League standards. We'll see you back here. It's Big Blue
2: Banter. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always by my co-host, Nick Filato, coming to you tonight after a highly disappointing loss to the Cowboys. I guess not as disappointing as the Washington, obviously not as disappointing as the Washington loss. To me, not nearly as disappointing as the Atlanta loss or Denver, just because once Daniel Jones was out, that was it. No one's expecting Mike Glennon to win, especially when the Giants defense is giving up 500 yards of total offense and- It was all fool's gold to begin with anyway. This was never a close game. The only reason it was a close game is because Dak Prescott threw a ball right into Dalton Schultz's hands in the end zone, and he dropped it. Pure luck for the Giants. And then they fumbled a snap exchange in the red zone. Cowboys should have had 14 more points, I mean, than they even had in this game. So this was not close. These two teams were not on the same level playing field. Yes, the injuries played a factor to some degree, but can any of you like look me in the eye or can you look me in the eye, Nick, or can I look you in the eye, Nick, and tell you that I think the giants were able to get into a shootout, even if they were fully healthy on offense. I can't, I mean, like I want to, but I can't, I know they showed that upside against the saints when they went down 21, 10, but with Judge as the coach and with Garrett as the coordinator, I can't tell you that they were going to start trying to get into a shootout and want to win a shootout game. They even kicked a field goal at one point point when it was like 10, nothing to do nothing for the final score and didn't help them at all. I know they got it to 1010 so blah blah blah. but man, Nick, I, I don't know what to tell you man. I I'm deflated. Uh, it's one in four again. this is year four of the regime. they spent an insane amount of salary cap space. They've restructured contracts, pushing back cap space into next year. They can't do anything about the Shepherd now, people are talking to me on Twitter, trade Shepard trade what why? Uh, first of all, not why? how? How? They pushed back his cap pit. What about a Dory Jackson? They put so many eggs into that basket. What about James Bradbury? who's now not playing like the all pro he was last season. They restructured that contract as well. Leonard Williams, 26 million against the cap. I mean, this is the team. This is the core. And I know you can say the coaching is bad right now, but in the end, I go back to what Van Gundy, somebody tweeted this at me. And he's so right. What Van Gundy said, this is a players play league, man. The coaches can only do so much. The players play the coaches, coaches, and the players have to play better. The Giants, we're grinding out games against Washington and, and Atlanta, and they won one nice comeback game against the Saints for cutting here. So I'm deflated with the state of this roster, man. I don't know how to talk about this game. We can talk about some specifics. I guess let's get into that first. Where do you want to start? Do you want to go 30,000 foot fewer of the game? Because I don't have much to say about the game post Jones. I don't have much interest in talking about a Mike Glennon offense. I don't know if you do, Nick, but I mean, this just not there's no future with Mike Glennon.
1: Oh, absolutely. There's no future with Mike Glennon. He's not supposed to see the field, but Daniel Jones has been injured every year. He's been in the NFL, unfortunately. And look, the Giants lined up. They ran two plays that Devontae Booker, he got stuff. They tried getting cute or tricky, which I'm all for. I'm all for using Daniel Jones in that manner, but he attempted to lower his shoulder and he ended up getting hurt. And that's very, very unfortunate. And the Giants lost Saquon Barkley. They lost Kenny Galladay, they lost Matt Skurr. They didn't have Andrew Thomas. They didn't have Jabril Peppers, no more Blake Martinez. They were incredibly dinged up in this game. And after Daniel Jones left, it was like, there's no way this team's going to be able to compete against this Dallas Cowboys team, which they were going to struggle to compete with realistically on the road anyways, because this defense isn't as good as it was in 2020. It's just that simple. Every time the Giants wanted to play too high to take away the explosive play threat Dak Prescott has off his right arm and Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb and Cedric Wilson and Dalton Schultz and all those weapons that they have the giant or the Cowboys just rushed the football right down their throat with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard and then when the Giants wanted the blitz or they wanted to drop a guy in the box creating one-on-one matchups on the outside Dak Prescott was way too smart way too sharp and he found the mismatches and attacked the Giants it's so it's a mismatch game right there between the Cowboys offense and this Giants defense. Cowboys offense is much, much better than this Giants defense right now, unfortunately, but that is the reality. But these injuries, man, I think the injuries are the biggest takeaway because it's, it's a, such a deflating feeling seeing all of these pieces of the New York Giants just end up not being on the field by the end of this game. And you look at the starting roster from week one, on the offensive side of the ball and who didn't end up finishing this game. And we don't know who's going to be available next week or whatnot. There's not a lot of people. Who is it? Like Nate Solder.
2: Will Hernandez.
1: Will Hernandez. I don't think anybody else. There might be one more player.
2: that Not will- in this game. I think some of these guys will come back. I think that, uh, Daniel Jones will play next week. It's just a, just a I gut hope. feeling. I know it sounds crazy, but I just, I heard he's in really good spirits in the locker room after the game. Um, we'll see what happens there, but uh, concussions, this, I mean, it's impossible to predict. There's no reason for me to predict this, but you're right. I mean, they, they didn't finish the game of these injuries. I don't want to bury the injuries, and I didn't want to. I'm sorry to come out with this opening, you know, monologue there and try to talk about the 30,000-foot view. But at the same time, it's tough right now to have any other view of this team because let's say they don't have the injuries, right? Well, they gave up 500 yards of total offense on the defensive side of the ball. Dallas Cowboys scored what they scored, but in reality, they should have had another 14 points. They had the drop touchdown to Dalton Schultz where the Giants defense did nothing to deserve that. And, the fumbled exchange in the red zone. Does anyone feel like watching this defense? They weren't going to give up a touchdown there if they didn't fumble that exchange, which is like a one out of every 50 time thing. I mean, there was no stopping. They had a couple nice play calls and a couple blitzes. I mean, Graham got aggressive because he had to in this game. There was no other option. But the reality of the situation is the Giants have invested incredible amount of money and draft capital in this secondary, and they're not getting anything out of Xavier McKinney right now. They're not getting enough out of Dory Jackson, who I thought played much better in the beginning of the season. Than he has the last two games. James Bradbury has taken a clear step back and teams are realizing the way to beat him is by attacking him vertically. And to be honest, that's two games in a row where he's given up a long vertical catch. Julian love cannot play that single high center field role, but did not get over there nearly in time. I know it's tough to get over there at CD lamb, but they don't trust Xavier McKinney back there either because he gave up the touchdown that was called back last week. And the touchdown that should have been to KJ Hamler in week one. So now you have those guys, Logan Ryan, Not really playing that box role well, right? Like, had to kind of play that role a little bit more with Peppers there. Not playing that well. Really not doing too much well out there. Jabril Peppers wasn't playing great before he's injured. We had so much hype for the secondary, so much hope for the secondary. Dave Gettleman has invested all of that. I mean, the Adore contract, the Bradbury contract, drafting uh, DeAndre Baker, trading three picks to get Baker. Uh, set, Drafting Xavier McKinney at the top around round two That's a high capital pick That's a borderline first round pick Trading for Jabril Peppers Signing Logan Ryan Then re-signing him to a three-year $30 million deal And dumping the supplemental pick on Sam Beal On top of all of that And the third round pick on Aaron Robinson We haven't seen And the two early force on Love and Beal that much capital invested in the secondary, which, by the way, I'm not against, Nick, but you got to hit it. You got to hit it. Like, the process, I'm kind of fine with it. You know me. I believe in secondary. But then they got to hit. Like, if you're going to invest that insane amount of capital in the secondary, you can't be giving up 500 yards of offense. You can't be looking helpless the entire game on defense with the exception of a few nice blitz calls that got them off the field. It's the fact of the matter right now. What scares me the most about this Giants team right now which is why I kind of had that start because, I mean, like, listen, injuries are one thing. Yeah, they didn't have a chance in this game, but – Let's not act like the Giants came into this game three and one or four and zero or dominated the Washington team. and had like two wins of 20 plus points. They've been grinding games all year, had one win of the first four and they didn't play any. They played two of the worst teams in the league in Atlanta and Washington. Let's be honest about that situation. Denver looks okay. They don't look amazing, but the big problem here is this is the defense. like there's nowhere to go except for the draft right now. They don't have cap space to take any free agents next year. They've, kick back all these contracts. And right now, Nick, I'm scared because they invested so much in the secondary and we can't say the secondary is playing all that well. Yeah, you're talking a lot about the secondary,
1: and I agree with you because the secondary, the defense as a whole, they, they haven't played all that well. But it's more about the Giants' inability to stop the run in this game. I mean, they allowed over 200 rushing yards on the ground to Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, and a lot of it did come during a competitive point of the game as well. Elliott was busting off 10-yard runs, then Pollard would come in, and he's just a different kind of energy than Ezekiel Elliott. He's just shooting through the gaps, and I could tell that Blake Martinez's presence was really missed. Yeah, in this game, Aziz Ojolari he made a couple nice plays in the run, but overall, just After going through all 22 and and just watching him through the last five games, he doesn't seem like he's that great of a run defender. He seems like he allows, and I don't know how the all 22 for this game yet, but he seems like he allows the opposing team to get into his chest and kind of seal him and turn him whichever direction that they want. And that's something that I feel like he needs to get a little better at. Uh, Troy Aikman, I think, brought up the fact that he made a couple nice plays against the running. And like I said, I want to acknowledge that he does do that. But I think on the whole, he can improve as a run defender. Tay Crowder, he looked like he was a bit in over his head against this rushing attack as well. Reggie Ragland isn't the athlete to keep up with the Tony Pollards and the Ezekiel Elliots of the world, but he can fill a role nicely. But now without Blake Martinez, his role and his plate has expanded significantly. And I don't necessarily think the Giants have the personnel to fill those shoes.
2: Yeah, you're right. Unfortunately, I mean, it's the fact of the matter right here that they they don't have a defense right now that's very disciplined on the, and I think, I think the, the issue is not even the discipline. It's just, they don't have the guys to, to stop. They've been getting beat by runs to the outside, like for a while now, even last year when their run defense was good and they had Dalvin Tomlinson throw back the all 22, that Baltimore Ravens game. And even some of the runs against the the Cardinals in the week before, and you just saw them getting beat to the outside on the run, but it's just so consistent now without Martinez in the game. And it's just like, there's nothing left at that inside linebacker. I like Crowder. He plays hard. He's not somebody who I think should be a part of this like future. If they ever get to the Super Bowl kind of roster and Reggie Ragland, (laughs) <laughs> he's okay but he's he's too slow like he's just not somebody you can afford to play out there for a million snaps and there's just nothing else to do like you can't find inside backers on the free agent market at this stage of the matter um they can try carter Coughlin there but that seems like a big risk as well so there's just not much to do and i agree part of the reason they lost the game is a run but at the same time dak prescott averaged 9.4 yards per attempt that's with the Dalton Schultz 25-yard touchdown drop. That would have been even higher if he doesn't drop that pass. And that's only on 32 attempts, he got 302 yards passing. And once again, like you said before the podcast, Nick, somehow, some way, like this is impossible to even fathom how this could happen five games in a row, but somehow, some way, the Giants gave up a touchdown just before half and a two-minute drill offense from the opposing team. How is this possibly happening five weeks in a row? They're giving up seven points on the final drive, final possession for the opposing team of the half. And to me, that's secondary because when you're in the two-minute drill, you're throwing the football. And it's kind of just like, you know, brush forward, throw the match up in coverage. And they just don't have guys who are taking away receivers and coverage right now. You're not seeing Bradbury do it. You're not seeing Jackson do it. You're not seeing it happen out of the slot. And you don't have anyone in the center field playing like a Kenny Phillips role. I thought maybe McKinney could do that. They don't have the trust in him, and I don't blame them for that, and they're playing love in some spots. It's just like it's a mess right now. It's a total mess right now on the defensive side of the ball, and I've been defending this defense all year on the podcast, Nick, but I think what happened was, and I'll be honest with you, my defense stops this game, and I'm now concerned that my defense was only because they played a Saints offense. It's not going to be good this year. A Washington offense with Heineke, that's a disaster, and a Falcons offense that's not good unless they're playing a bad defense. And when they finally played a real offense – Teams that actually have a chance to go places, the Dak Prescott's, the Josh Allen's offense, the, the Bills, the Chiefs, the real teams in this league, the Bucks, they got torched. 500 yards offense. You said 200 on the ground and another 314 in the air. It's insane. Like, that's just insane stuff. And it makes me think that I shouldn't have defended this defense, to be honest, in the first four games.
1: And the Rams, too. The Giants are going to see them next week. Just from watching the broadcast film, something that I'm realizing it seems like the biggest soft spots within these giants zone coverage is in between the linebackers and the safeties. Every game up the seam, middle of the field in between the linebackers and safeties, typically where the deep dig runs, typically where the tight end seam runs or the deep tight end out routes like that. And that's what we saw quite a bit in this game with Dak Prescott and Dalton Schultz, who Dalton Schultz is not the uh, Travis Kelsey. He's a good tight end and he's a reliable type of route runner who has solid hands even though he dropped the one touchdown pass on that one drive that eight play 75 yard drive before the end of the first half where the Cowboys were able to break the tie it was 10 10 and go 17 to 10 he found Schultz on a second and 11 for seven yards then he found Schultz on a third and four for 15 yards and then he ends up later in the game finding Dak Prescott in, in a similar manner around the same point of the field it, it just seems like the Giants their linebackers and their Safeties, whenever they are in a cover three or a cover six or a cover four zone type of coverage, there's never the right communication for the safeties and the linebackers to pass off those routes. and There's always a soft spot that is abused, and the pressure the Giants have isn't necessarily enough to mitigate that or stop that, I should say.
2: Yeah, and that's that brings me to another concern here because I think the biggest concern in referendum on this current regime, and I know somehow we're still finding debates being sprung about this regime, I don't know when they'll end. I guess the Giants have to lose have another season done by week 5 next year for people to finally give up though at that point I don't think I think there are some people who are going to stick with this regime, the Gettleman regime no matter where this team goes and how many losing seasons but the secondary is the biggest referendum now to me, even more so than the offensive line. But another one is the defensive line man because they've invested a lot of capital And I know some people don't like when I say capital, but what I mean by that is not every draft pick is worth the same, right? Like the Giants are picking fourth overall or sixth overall. It's different than if they're picking 28th overall in the first round. It's a lot different. If you wanted to trade up from 28 to six or to four or to 11 or whatever it may be, you have to give up a lot of – picks. That's capital right there. And they've invested the 17th overall pick in one of their defensive linemen. They traded a top 65 pick for another defensive lineman. That's Leonard Williams, then re-signed him to a contract that counts 26 million against the cap starting next year and is growing, is growing because they kicked cashways back. They took another one in the top 60 and B.J. Hill, I believe is just outside the top 60, top 65 in B.J. Hill, just one pick before Fred Warner. They let one go who they inherited in Dalvin Tomlinson. And yet they're struggling to stop the run. And none of those guys create consistent pressure. Like I know we had some nice clips of Leonard Williams last week in the run game, but Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence are not consistently creating pressure. So when you in the NFL these days, like look at what the bills did tonight to stop the, stop the chiefs. They didn't, bl- they didn't send one blitz the entire game, zero Blitz is there. And remember when Bean took over that roster in 2018, the bills were in a worse spot. Most believe than the giants. If you look back and read the tea leaves on that, the bills were considered Texans S go read back to when the bills, when, when the bills restarted that, uh, that franchise rebuild in 2018. Go look back at it. You'll see some of the te- some of the stuff that was written about that roster and the state it was in. But now they have a game plan where they don't have to blitz anyone. They drop seven in coverage every single snap tonight against Mahomes, and they found a way to get pressure by drop by blitzing only four because they've built up that D line. Now I've been a proponent of the of the secondary. but The Bills still have a good secondary somehow, even with these investments like Gregory or so. And so you know if you're just going to rush four like the Giants have to at this point for a lot of these snaps and like most teams like most you can't blitz every snap like it's just not kate you're not capable you have to get more from Lawrence you have to get more from Leonard Williams you just simply have to get more from these guys i'm I'm standing by that like the investments they've made in this defensive line they can't just be run stoppers who don't even really impact the run game because your linebackers are so bad.
1: It's frustrating it's frustrating I don't blame Patrick Graham for throwing the kitchen sink at Dak Prescott. I think no. he had to bring the blitz to try different things because the original game plan wasn't working. So we had to adjust and, and find an ulterior motive to try and slow down whatever the Cowboys were attempting. And Kellen Moore just had his number, which is something we've said quite often this season, Dan, is that an opposing coordinator on wow. the offensive side has had Patrick Graham's number at the same time. Personnel is a huge part of it as well. As much as the Giants do have talented personnel on their roster on the defensive side, the Cowboys have better personnel on the offensive side. Cause Dak Prescott is a top, as I said earlier, seven, you could say five quarterback. I mean, there's just so many good young quarterbacks. It's hard to quantify exactly where he is, but he's one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Ezekiel Elliott is one of the best running backs in the league. The offensive line is a top five offensive line in the league. And then you have wide receivers like Amari Cooper and CD lamp. It's difficult for the giants to, to contend with. And the Giants, the the injuries is a huge story, but at the same time, I I don't know if the Giants would have been able to compete with this Dallas team, even if they were fully healthy. And we saw early on in the game, if we want to get into before Daniel Jones's injury, there was a lot of it was a lot of, I guess you could say, bad plays from the offense. Daniel Jones missed about three or four throws. Travon Diggs almost intercepted him twice, and then Trevon right. Diggs almost intercepted Mike Glennon another time, and then he actually ended up coming up with an interception on that deep over route. He's just a phenomenal player, Travon Diggs. The Giants offense did not look great to, to kind of come out against the Dallas defense under Dan Quinn that is much better than they were under Mike Nolan last year.
2: Yeah, you nailed it, Nick. I mean... They weren't looking good even before the injury, unfortunately. Jones was – it looked a little off today. I don't know if it was – I think part of it, to be honest with you, I think a lot. A big part of it was the pressure. And the pressure was coming in fast and early. Like there was no sacks. I know people are like, oh, I didn't get sacked. Well, just look at that. You'll see it on the All-22 when we break it yeah. down. We'll put up some clips, but before Jones left the game, there was pressure on almost every snap. There was a stunt that Soldier's side didn't pick up that was so obvious and glaring. There was just consistent pressure. And Jones is just such a different quarterback with the pressure versus without the pressure. He's a very different quarterback. Now, some people will say, you know, do we want to build around a quarterback who needs an offensive line to be successful, to be really successful? I mean, I mean, to actually look really good. And that's a fair argument, but I would say I'm fine with that. Like if you can get a quarterback who could be really effective with a good offensive line, but he needs a good offensive line. I'm personally fine trying to build around that. You just have to do a much better job evaluating your offensive line picks and you have to do a much better job actually taking more swings on the offensive line. Some of the giants haven't done, but agreed with you on that standpoint. And on the flip side of the ball, like, like we already talked about, I mean, I don't want to beat a drum, he can beat a dead horse here, but there were two drives that should have really ended in 14 points before the Cowboys with the Schultz wide open touchdown that he just for some reason dropped and the dumb fumble exchange. But I kind of go back to what you said and it's like it's fair to say that the Cowboys offensive personnel, Nick, is so much better than the Giants defensive personnel. But whose fault is that right like at this point whose fault is that is it the gm who's prioritized stopping the run is it the gm who's prioritized investments in the interior defensive line is it the gm who's taken insane amounts of swings both in free agency with two massive con, three massive contracts between logan ryan uh Adore jackson and james for and just slew of picks i mean three picks for baker including a first and early two for for mckinney we went over this already i mean you invest all that in your secondary. You power through on the interior defensive line. That's your build. You've built a lot. Like, you've put a lot into this defense. It should not be this bad as it is right now. Should not be giving up 500 yards. Should not be consistently allowing touchdown drives and two-minute drills before the half. It should find a way to get some pressure with four-man, you know, You know. drop seven, rush four, because guess what? Like I mean, like— I agree. Good job by Graham trying to throw the kitchen sink, whatever. But most of these, you know, you got to be successful in this league by dropping seven and rushing four most of the time. Like she's got to be able to get a pass rush, rushing four. and Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams need to be delivering more from a pass rush standpoint. I I hate to say it. Like, so obviously, so do Ricardo and Aziz. I get it. The edges have to too, but they didn't invest as much in them as they invested in Leonard and Dexter. And so at this point, like, I'm really disappointed in what I've seen from Gettleman's pieces. I mean, just like you said, Trayvon Diggs, superstar in the making, right? He looks like a superstar in the making. The Cowboys found him in round two. Which round two pick of has Dave Gettleman made so far that looks like a superstar in the making? Is there any? Do they have any superstar in the making right now? Looking in the, and they have, the, and but and at the same time, like besides Andrew Thomas, right? And maybe Daniel Jones. Which of their first round picks looks like superstars in the making? Dexter Lawrence, no. Saquon Barkley, obviously, we're not calling a running back a superstar in the making, especially when this was unlucky, but he's been injured a lot. Like, there's no superstars on this team right now. There's no superstars in the making besides maybe Qatari's Tony at this point.
1: The Giants' defensive personnel, I, I feel like they can play up to the Dallas Cowboys. I think there's a possibility for that to happen. They just haven't unlocked that quite yet. The potential, I think, could possibly be there, though. It's just I, you need everybody kind of clicking. And I, that, I think it's a collective blame if we're going to blame anybody. I think it is a lot of personnel. I think I like like I like what Patrick Graham did. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, whatever the game plan is. They haven't found a good way to adjust it in order to combat what the opposing team is trying to do. And we've seen that how many weeks now in a row? We've seen that for five weeks. We've seen it in the two-minute drill. Like That has to be cleaned up. If you could say that three of those two-minute drills, the Giants come up and their defense makes a play and they stop the opposing offense from scoring a touchdown, the season could look totally different. But they're not coming up big in big spots they're just finding ways to kind of falter in those spots and and break instead of bend which last year they bent a lot but now they're breaking way too often I I don't think the personnel is bad on paper I don't think they're being maximized I think that is coaching I think that's upon themselves as well I think Blake Martinez injury definitely affects the overall defense I think a lot of those things can kind of coexist with each other I definitely think Dave Gettleman, you, you can blame him for the current state of the roster. I think it's hard not to at this point because this team has started abysmally for how many years under his regime. There's It's very hard All not of to the blame. Exactly. All of the years
2: by week five, the season has been over. Exactly. I mean, it wasn't technically over last year because the division was so bad, but it was re- effectively over.
1: I will say, I do not hate those contracts that he levied to James Bradbury, to Blake Martinez, to Logan Ryan, and the Adoree Jackson one, look, that was market value at the time. It's what Shaq Griffin, it was just slightly less than what Shaq Griffin and William Jackson III received from their respective teams. So if you wanted to upgrade your cornerback position, then I'm not going to sit here and complain about the fact that he was able to do that and be aggressive and try to win. Now, it just isn't working out, which is the unfortunate thing. And when that's my pushback
2: yeah. though, Nick, and I'll, I will give a little pushback there because I agree with you. The process isn't horrible there, but you have to hit the results. Can't not be there. If you're going to invest that much in free agency and one player like Jackson, he has to be really, really good. You have to guess right there. If you're going to kick back cap, like with the Ryan deal, which I didn't agree with, I did not think signing a 30 year old Logan Ryan after he had a really nice year for them. And was a great locker room presence, was a smart investment. And that one's going to look worse and worse as we move forward. And they kick cap down so they can't cut him. So I'm not sure that one, but I mean, the point is, regardless of if I thought it was good at the time, or you thought it was good at the time, like we were both on board with Jackson, it doesn't matter. It has to hit You're investing all that capital there. Dexter Lawrence has to be a lot better at pick. Leonard Williams has to be a lot better after that contract. Like that's the fact of the matter to me. It doesn't matter if the process was okay at the time. You're, Doing, you're pushing all these chips into the middle of the table to the point where you can no longer be a player in free agency next year when you might need to rebuild your roster potentially like at this point like i don't know what really i don't even know where they go from here because they have. this is the core now right and like i'm not trying to say they're bad personnel they're fine personnel but looking at the defensive front right now it looks like more name than game and i mean the front seven when i say the front i'm including yeah. the whole front set. like that's huge and without a front seven in the NFL, like I have been, you know, pro coverage, pro coverage, pro coverage, but you still need a D line. Like you still need at least minimum one, one impact player on that D line minimum right now, Leonard Williams is not an impact player in the passing game at all right now. Dexter Lawrence is not an impact player in the passing game in the least bit right now. Aziz Jolari has the nice sacks, but he's not in every pressure. He's not really in every game. High pressure. guy. he's getting a lot of sacks, but not a lot of pressures. Lorenzo Carter, the same can be said. So like there's, there's no, like to me, there's no. You know, I, I don't know, man. I, I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know where to go from here. I, I the, the, there's talented names. The names are good, gr- are great. They look good on paper. Dory Jackson, right? Logan Ryan, Xavier McKinney. They all look good on paper, but they're not producing right now. And I'm just not so sh- certain that's going to turn around.
1: Now, my point was, I think coaching has to be blamed as well. Okay. I think there's something going on with this scheme. That's and fair. I'm not a hundred percent certain as to what, but. Opposing offenses haven't figured out and they keep attacking it. The adjustments that Patrick Graham and the defense are throwing at them. They're just not getting home. The personnel possibly maybe is not living up to the adjustments that Patrick Graham wants them to do. That's another uh, maybe element to all this. I just think it's a collective blame right now. It's fair. No, no, I
2: definitely agree with you, Nick. I don't want to, you make a great point too. And I think you make a great point though. And I want to highlight it. What you're saying is, is a great point that I don't know if, Everybody's considering even thinking about like there's enough talent on this defense for, or regardless of the talent on the defense, the point you made is look, Giants are getting beat on defense in very similar ways week after week that's now on the coaches like you're not you might not be perfect your adjustments you may not be able to you, if you don't have the talent you can't really do much like look at that jacksonville defense no matter who's co- what they're doing this year, they can make a million adjustments to what they're doing on defense jacksonville nothing's gonna happen they don't have talent the giants obviously have more talent they've invested insane amount of free agency money in this roster they've kicked back the cap like they've spent more than all but three teams and they drafted a bunch of guys so like you're saying what you're saying is a great point they're still fully healthy basically on defense right now besides blake martinez they are fully healthy on defense right now. And so you're right. Like part of this is on the coaching for not adjusting, and getting beat in the same ways week after week after week. And that's frustrating to me, Nick, because we crowned Patrick Graham and rightfully so for how good he was last year. And now he's, it just seems like, can we even be sure about him right now? I don't even feel great about that right now. And that's not a place I want to be right now, man.
1: No, it's not a place I want to be either. And it's also comes down to just taking advantage of opportunity when it's there how many times has a giant defender dropped an interception this season? Bradbury dropped an interception that would have ended that late first half touchdown drive. Lorenzo Carter comes up with the interception on a fourth down call. Mike McCarthy got aggressive. Lorenzo Carter ends up picking the ball off. The giants don't do anything with it, despite the fact that they received the ball at midfield. And you also had Graham Godot missing a field goal. You had, Mike Glennon getting knocked out of field goal range by not being able to handle a snap. You had Aziz Ojalary taking a roughing, a passer penalty that basically extended a Dallas drive, which led to a field goal. That's discipline too. Like that comes down to discipline. This is the fourth game. And every loss the Giants had this season, you can name several different instances where the Giants personnel didn't maximize an opportunity there, or they did something to shoot themselves in the foot, like take a stupid penalty. And that's another thing that just... It's like when it rains, it pours kind of situation, man. And in each of these losses, we've seen that happen.
2: Yep, no doubt about it. All right, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. When we return, we're going to talk about some bright spots on the roster right now. From this specific game, that's Kadarius Stoney. Little Matt Matt Parrott shout out. I have too much good things to say about the defense. Maybe you'll have something, Nick, to help me out there.
1: Giants football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find New York Giants tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other sites charge which lets them guarantee the best prices on all their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right. You guys ever want to just go and see Saquon Barkley hit a 60-yard run? You know I do. Daniel Jones, Fine Sterling Shepard, Kenny Galladay, Darius Slayton, Deep. Well, if you guys want to see that live, please go and visit TickPick.com. Dot com and use the promo code banter that's tickpick.com slash banter to use that today you can save ten dollars on your first order of the giants tickets that you desire please check that out it's tickpick.com slash banter
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate
2: All right, we're back. Did you did you pick that up, Nick? That was my Mike Francesa impression. How was it? Oh, was that? Oh, was
1: that, <laughs> it's was that terrible? Wasn't it? All
2: right, we're back.
1: He is Mr. Met.
2: Yeah. He always Hey, just hey we're back. Oh, that guy. I just need a diet coke next to me. We'll be good. But let's talk Giants football some good things. Darius Tony. First of all. My favorite play of the game, and I can't wait to put this clip up on Twitter. And I can't wait to watch it on the L22. The route he ran against Trayvon Diggs. We just got finished hyping up Diggs. Credible value picked by the Cowboys in round two. Giants haven't had a pick like that in round two in years. Damn it. But arius Tony. Hell yeah. Ran that route. Burned Diggs. Had just a, a really good game. I mean, he even made a 50-50 catch where he had to go up, high point it, come down with a tough contested catch, get his feet in bounds, all the things which he did. That was a play I believe he got injured on. Hopefully he's fine. Awesome stuff again after the catch. Got open on third downs. Was a safety valve for Jones. Had one third down where he caught a short pass that should have ended at the sticks, and he just turned it into a, a run all the way to the one-yard line. That was just before the Jones injury. So many good things to say about Gadaris Tony. I know the punch happened too. probably not the smartest move to punch someone in the helmet. I know Joe judge is really not going to be a fan of this. Joe judge probably has him running like 32 laps when he gets back to uh, East Rutherford tonight, night laps, they'll call it right. When that plane lands, run some laps, have the whole team watch it. Not nah, just kidding, but I'm sure he'll have something to say to him about it. Hopefully not discipline outside of, I'm hoping he doesn't get disciplined by the team or the NFL personally, if <laughs> I don't see much value in it, but. Obviously, let's put that aside, or you can talk about that if you want, Nick. But what do you make of uh, Tony's breakout game?
1: He's phenomenal to watch. He's so fun to watch. And I'm not even sure if you're referring to the Kadarius-Tony play that opened the second half, the play-action pass by Mike Glennon, where he kind of rolled out, set on the far hash, and delivered a strike to Kadarius-Tony, who was faking a deep over on Trevon Diggs and then planted that inside foot and went right to the sideline created about six yards of separation on Diggs. I mean he has a lot of these types of plays man and then there was the other play where he re- he caught the ball Dan and he just kind of like scooted to his left and two defenders like flew past him like he was able mm-hmm. to manipulate and find space after catching a quick pass and and then find a crevice to to elude two defenders it was it was really really remarkable he went 10 for 189 Same. on third, 13 targets and the usage was even more incredible because you had screens, you had the throwback screen. You saw a little bit of wildcat. You saw them used in quick game on spot routes and out routes and stick routes and things like that. Deep over routes. It was up the sideline, nine routes, verticals. It was a lot of different varying ways that they utilized Kadarius Tony's skill set, which I love to see. I mean. They were kind of forced to do so after they lost Kenny Galladay to the hyper-extended knee. They lost Saquon Barkley. They didn't have Darius Slayton. They didn't have Sterling Shepard. And their offensive line was not great. There wasn't a, a lot of ways to kind of generate offense outside of Kadarius, Tony, and Evan Ingram. And Evan Ingram finished, what, four for 55? He he came up with a couple of nice most catches. Garb- most were
2: garbage, but yes.
1: The, the one along the sideline, that was a really nice catch near the yes. – uh, line a little bit he extended away from his frame and was able to pluck it out of the air which is something that isn't necessarily consistent with Evan Ingram I came away incredibly impressed with Kadarius Tony I mean the future seems really bright with him he has to be a little bit more disciplined there I mean I, I, it's Devontae Casey he threw him to the ground that was unnecessary you love to see Evan Ingram go over there and stick up for his teammate Tony doesn't have to punch him in the helmet possibly break his fist which would yes. be a uh,
2: terrible situation that's exactly why I didn't like it. That was the only thing I didn't like about it. I mean, I don't want you punching anyone either. It's just stupid. It doesn't help you at all. But the closed fist, you definitely can't do. That's an easy recipe for breaking your hand, and then you're just hurting your team. So hopefully, that's the, that's like the one thing I hope Joe Judge gets across. Don't close your fist. But I'm joking. I know <laughs> obviously Joe Judge is not going to say something like that to him. He's going to really rip into him for not for doing what he did. Um, great. Hopefully that that works, or I don't know. But yeah, man. It was just, he's just so electric. It looks like they found a really good talent and he's just scratching the surface. Like his route running is only going to get better with those natural abilities. The after the catch stuff will always be there. And the fact that he showed the ability to go up and get it, and that's something we even saw at times on Florida. Like I remember watching his film and talking about it with him with you. It can be like, this guy can high point balls too. This guy makes some contested catches. Like it's not like the one thing we had from him was he's not the fastest straight line runner, right? But even that, he yeah. looks like. Pretty explosive, like he's obviously not like a total straight line burner, but he gets up the field vertically pretty fast, in my opinion. Uh, at least just from watching the film from last week and what I saw in broadcast. So, I really feel like he has almost the total package with the exception of maybe the burner speed. And if he just works hard, man, and he has his head on right and wants to be the best, like if that's what it always comes down to with these athletes do they want to be the best? The best athletes in the world are the ones who are insanely competitive and they want to be the best. And he really, like. I don't know, man. Watching him play like this was a very talented class. I'm sure if I watch a lot of Elijah Moore film, I'm on the Jets at least. I might feel the same, but I feel like his upside is sky high, like up there with, with almost anyone in this class outside of really the Jamar Chase's, Devonte Smith, and Waddles of this world.
1: Yeah, Jamar Chase, he's just on another level right now. Another right? level, yeah. Yeah, he's <laughs> the brain linkage between Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow is just evident every week. It seems like they come up with a huge touchdown, but we have a lot to be excited about with Kadarius Tony. And this season, it's bleak right now. I mean, the Giants are one and four. We can't sugarcoat this. Could Put lipstick on a pig, as a lot of people say, and especially yeah. with all these injuries, it's a it's a bad situation. But we can look at players like Kadarius Tony, players like Aziz Ojalori on defense, and kind of find a lot of encouragement moving forward. There's a lot of uncertainty, obviously, but I really liked what I saw from Kadarius Tony today, other than the punch.
2: Let's talk a little bit about Matt Perrett because at least broadcast angle wise, looked like he handled himself well in his first full-time role at right tackle.
1: He did. He did just broadcast wise. You didn't see a lot of pressure coming from his side and the Giants really had to scheme help towards the left side, Nate Solder, who was just getting abused by Randy Gregory all game and, a lot of the Dallas pass rushers and just the stunts and stuff that they were sending to the left side of the giants protection package. It seemed like the, the giants offensive line without Andrew Thomas is, is not an offensive line that should be out on a national football league field. It's, it's, it's almost cursed there, Dan. It's a really bad situation. Daniel Jones, I cannot believe he wasn't sacked on some of those plays. I cannot believe he was able to get rid of the football, but he took some big, big hits. And Nate Soldier just shouldn't be a starting left tackle. It shouldn't be a starting right tackle, but that's the situation the Giants are in right now. And it's really frustrating, Dan. It really is. And I know the Giants have had a a lot of injuries, right? But it's frustrating to to see Trey Smith start on Sunday Night Football. And I know the Chiefs got worked, but Trey Smith is, is playing relatively well for them from everything that I see when I watch the broadcast angle. And the Giants had two six-round picks, and they went with Darius Williams and, and Gary Brightwell over someone who may have been able to help them along the offensive line. And it goes back to the hubris that the Giants front office and the Giants coaching staff had about these young players. And I get that Shane Lemieux and all these other players got injured, and I think there's a lot of merit to that argument. But at the same time, I think you needed to upgrade the interior offensive line back at that time just to play Captain Hindsight. But we were saying it then as well.
2: Yeah. And it's not even just about that time. It's really over the four years of Gettleman's regime. Hasn't used many of those day three picks on depth and dart throws and guys who can be playing now when you have injuries. And the injuries are one thing, but it's Shane Lemieux, who was the worst pass protecting guard in football. That one I won't hear about because they're only in the position of starting Shane Lemieux because they didn't add any talent because they cut Zeitler their best offensive lineman last year. I know everyone's like, oh, Zeidler's getting older. We can get rid of afford to get rid of Zeidler." Well, guess what? The film tells the story. He was overall on the full 17, or I'm sorry, 16-game sample size that was the 2020 season. Honestly, if you looked at the grades honestly, from the film standpoint, and you listen back to all of our all-22s, and me and Nick gave you an honest opinion, he was the most consistent and best, and therefore overall best lineman on the team last year, playing fine with the Ravens this year. He's not great, but he's fine. And they got rid of him, and they resorted to Shane Lemieux and Hernandez. Lemieux is not a starter at the NFL level, in my mind. Maybe he could have taken some miraculous jump in the passing game. Highly doubtful, though, if you go by the fact that he was drafted in the fifth round because everyone thought that... He was fatally flawed when it comes to pass protection because he doesn't have the athleticism to do it. So, I mean, you can guess and you could hope and you can pray and you could be optimistic and buy into what the Giants were preaching, which was we have more faith in our offensive line than you do. Or you could just look at the facts and understand that coach speak and GM speak is consistent across the board with all 32 teams. And why take their word versus the word of your eyes (laughs) or, you know, what investments are telling you how much they've invested in this line and so the gates injury is one thing but it's not like he was jason kelsey out there right he was never playing at the rodney hudson level nick you made it clear in your analysis and i trust you more on offense line than myself he was a a solid player for the giants he didn't make many mistakes but he wasn't some kind of wow center out there and we already went over lemieux aside from that we had the thomas injury today which obviously led to this paired solder situation but I can't really blame. I can't like the injuries are one thing, but it's not like this offensive line in any depth and even fully healthy. This offensive line isn't anything special in my mind. And that's year four. You know, that's year four of a GM that said this first and most important priority was fixing this line. So we'll end it there with that from that standpoint, 30,000 foot view stuff. But let's just talk parrot. I feel like at this point, from what we've seen from Barrett, Nick, and what we continue to see from Solder, I no longer see a point to playing Solder when Thomas is back. I'm kind of officially done with trusting the judge staff here. And I'm just and I know they're right over me because they see it every day in practice. And I do trust them over me. So it's a stupid thing to say, but. Long term view at one and four, Nick, with the season basically in my mind on the brink. They need some kind of miracle here. I don't see really any reason to play solder over pair. None really. I mean, you got to see what you have in pair
1: Yeah, you definitely have to see what you have in pair, especially since now we got to see him. But I also don't want to undersell the injuries to Nick Gates either. That is still a injury sure. that definitely impacts the overall effectiveness of the offense. I just don't think Nick Gates is a top ten center in the league, which I think is a very fair statement.
2: Yeah, and it, you'd I think you'd be pushing to even say top fifteen. To be honest, like is he better than uh, like Rui? Is he better than him? I don't think so. Probably but, not. No, probably not. And he's not really top ten either. He's probably on the borderline, but he's still a great player. And he was helped for the Giants. He was the leader of that line. He got them. We always saw him working for help. It's a huge injury. The Gates one, I will give you. That is an unlucky injury. They could have never predicted that. Really unhelpful. It's the Lemieux one where you kind of lose me to be burnt when people, where people lose me when they're you know starting to stack the excuses and I and I at this point honestly I'm so tired of the excuses with this team. The excuses are one of the reasons why we're in year four of this regime and things aren't getting better in my mind at least. But you know Parrot at this point looked good Let's flip it over to the other side as far as this uh, goes, unless you want to talk a little bit about anything else in the offense. I'm not so sure, really. Like you said at the beginning of the podcast, Nick, there's really not any actual future starters left to talk about. I think we somehow covered them all, really, right here with uh, Barrett, and, uh, Barrett and and Tony, unless we're going to get into um, Hernandez, potentially, who might make it back. We could talk a little bit about Rudolph, though, man. I mean, dude, he's this is unbelievable stuff with Rudolph. He's, he's tough to watch out there.
1: Yeah, he's very, very slow. But everybody, tune in, though, to the All-22 podcast because Dan and myself, we're going to be giving good evaluations on how Matt Parrott actually performed. It's hard to do that with a broadcast. We will be talking about their their traits, these young players' traits. And I know not a lot of people maybe want to hear as much about the scheme with Mike Lennon at the helm and how Mike Glennon was throwing the football because he's not Daniel Jones but there's still going to be a lot of valuable information but you're right Dan man I I want to see a lot more Caden Smith than than Kyle Rudolph because Kyle Rudolph he's over the hill bro he's old he looks slow okay it's it's we've been saying it since the beginning of the year I don't know if it was the foot surgery I don't know if it's the fact that he's 30 plus years old but he needs to um not be playing over Caden Smith to be honest it just doesn't seem like a something you would want to do, something that's going to be conducive towards success because Caden Smith offers more as a receiver and he, I wouldn't say that he's clear cut a better blocker than Kyle Rudolph, but there's an argument for it for sure.
2: Yeah, right. I, I, I think that's the perfect way to state it, Nick. Like I'm not so sure he's clear cut, better blocker. I don't really think either is that good of a blocker to be completely honest. They're both, they try hard and they're okay at it, I guess. I don't really feel like I see impact blocking from either of them. But I will say this, as far as Rudolph goes, if he does make it to year two of this contract because of the cap implications, he might, he'll be better next year. I'm I'm confident in that. There's a lot of research that has shown that a player takes a full year to recover off the List Frank surgery, mm-hmm. but that goes back to the decision they made to sign him once they knew he needed that surgery. That was a massive mistake by this regime. You should not be signing a player coming off List Frank. Clearly, he doesn't look like he's ready to make an impact in year one but you're paying him for year one. You're allocating cap space to him to year one. And you're burying guys like Caden Smith on the roster to get him on the field in year one. And so that's it. That's, there's no way there's no hit fans and butts around this one. This is, you know, Jonathan Stewart, Patrick, Omame yes, there's those ones don't even get debated to be honest with you. And I won't sit here and listen to the other side of it, but, and I'm not saying you're saying that obviously, Nick, but I know some people are defending that as well somehow, but yeah, we'll turn the page on Rudolph because, I don't, I don't know how much better it's going to get there. Anyone specifically on the defense you want to get to before we see the all 22, or do you need to kind of see the tape there?
1: No, I just want to see the tape. It just seemed like the giants. And obviously you look at the final product. They gave up over 200 yards on the ground, just couldn't stop the run. A lot right. of it was the outside, it seems like the edges just can't set the edge and be consistent enough to, to anchor down and bounce everything to the outside. every time they do bounce stuff to the outside, as we spoke about several times in this podcast how the giants, When they are in tight front, I don't know how much they were in tight front in this game, but when they are, they like to bounce everything outside to those apex defenders, those overhang defenders, so they can rally and make the tackle. But sometimes I feel like those players don't make the tackle. I mean, we brought this up, I think, two weeks ago, Dan, when the Giants lost to the Falcons. How many missed tackles did we see the Giants' defense make this season? That was not an issue last year, but this year it's an issue. Last year, explosive plays, missed tackles weren't really an issue at all. This year, those are two of the biggest issues with this defense.
2: Yeah, Nick, you nailed it. I think that's something we took for granted. The Giants tackled well last year. They haven't tackled well this season, and I don't know how to really explain that. I really don't know what that is. I don't think it's a lack of effort, but tackling's been a major issue this season. And like you said, the the explosive plays they give up, well, it's blown coverages. We had, what did we go over last season? That, that Cooper Cup play against the Rams last year where they just ran hurry up and they caught him off guard for a quick second. The Terry McLaurin kind of broken tackle in the second there. There was basically no other explosive plays allowed by the Giants defense last year. This year, they're allowing them left and right. McKinney should have allowed two touchdowns more than they even allowed in the explosive game. The, the Hamler drop that we went over and and the call back touchdown last week against the Saints. But the explosive plays blown coverages they're all there this year for this defense the poor tackling it's crazy man i don't know this defense looks nothing like it was last year despite really only being without martinez and even before martinez left the defense it wasn't looking like it was
1: no it wasn't man it's it's been very frustrating and and humbling i guess you could say but uh we'll wait for the all 22 to really go over exactly what went wrong and then we'll break all that down on that podcast
2: Sure. Let's wrap things up, though, by going over the 2022 draft order as it stands today. Giants, remember, have two first-round draft picks. They have one, their own, and they also have the Bears' first-round draft pick because they traded back, picked up Kadarius Toney, is looking awesome, that's nice, and picked up the Bears' pick. Unfortunately, the Bears' Won that close game against the Bengals earlier. That one's still bothering me. I wanted the Bengals to win that game. And then won again today. Upset victory as five and a half point underdogs against the Raiders. This is just such a classic sleepy Raiders game. So annoyed by that team. Coming off the short rest from Monday Night Football, the letdown loss against the Chargers. And they just have such a stinker against the Bears. And now the Bears, now the Giants currently pick at six and 22. That Bears pick is all the way down to 22. Not great. Hopefully they can start losing football games, but obviously they're a better team with Justin Fields than they were with Dalton. So it stinks they went to him so early, at least from the Giants standpoint. However, the Giants sit pick six right now with their pick, even though they're in a four-way tie right now for one and four with the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Texans. The Giants actually pick after all four of those or all three of those teams because of their strength of schedule. The, the Colts are 1-3 and three playing on Monday Night Football, so they could drop to 1-4. and four. Jaguars and Lions are uh, winless. Unfortunately, you know that Justin Tucker record-setting field goal a couple weeks ago gave the uh, Lions a loss. That'd be nice if they were at 1-4 and four as well. I don't see this Jacksonville team winning anytime soon with Urban Meyer. That's a total disaster there. Um, as far as the Bears go, hopefully they can start losing.
1: Yeah, dude, the Lions could easily have a couple wins. They've been competitive. And they, they really, you could tell they play their ass off for Dan Campbell, dude. They they really, really do. And then you have the Urban Meyer situation, you know. Got to trust the grind. You know what I'm saying, Dan? Got
2: to trust the grind. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And hopefully, yeah, I like that. And hopefully they can, like, the Giants can finagle their way into a spot where they can get Thibodeau. Uh, is that how you pronounce his name?
1: Yeah, Kayvon Thibodeau, the Oregon I didn't, pass. Yeah, you
2: group. know I'm bad. Yeah, of course, of course. And you know I'm bad with names. But if they can get Thibodeau. I feel better. And hopefully they can find like another Andrew Thomas. That's what I want. And then bears start losing Thibodeau Thomas. someone like uh, Thomas.
1: I think, I think Thibodeau is going to be the number one overall pick by oh, the shit. Jags. Yeah. yeah. Because they're not going to go quarterback. They could trade back and get a bunch of capital. Uh, you're right.
2: You're so right. We need the Jags to win some games.
1: And they have, you know, Josh Allen and uh, Caleb on chase on, but, but, but Thibodeau is just a different cat. Like he's, Chase Young type of generational edge rusher type. Oh,
2: of- please start winning some games, Jags. Please start winning <laughs> some games. They almost beat the Bengals a couple weeks ago, but yikes. You're right about that. They will be in prime spot. Honestly, I think the Jets will probably take them too if they finish with a worse record than the Giants. Dolphins, not short sure quarterback. Detroit, not short sure quarterback. Houston, not short sure quarterbacks. They may go quarterback, quarterback, quarterback there. So really, I think they're competing with the Jets and Jags. So root for the Jets and Jags to win, everyone. Have them win, and please, please, root for the Bears to lose. We need it. But one good news thing here is the Giants also have the Dolphins third round pick, and the Dolphins are one and four. So that's very nice. That could be a nice, solid pick where they can find a contributor right away out of that spot. All right. That's all we have for tonight on the reaction show to the Big Blue Banter. As always, please, please, please. Drop us a follow on YouTube where we've been a lot more active there. There's a lot of videos coming out. More to come. We're going to be breaking down plays like we did last week. Had a lot of fun doing that. So type in Big Blue Banter on YouTube. You'll see our logo. That's all you'll need to see. You'll know it's us. We might actually have someone who's going to help us work on that logo too. If you you or anyone knows how to help us with uh, logos on YouTube, reach out. Uh, we're, we're looking for some friends, but definitely excited to see some of the YouTube uh, videos get more views. By the way, we're up over a thousand on a couple of those, which is nice for us. Almost at a thousand subscribers too, which we want. Uh, follow us on Instagram nybigwoodbenter, and then as always, please, 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 if you haven't already, leave us a rating and review on iTunes. If you're subscribed to the podcast, if you're not subscribed, please subscribe. If you're subscribed, do us a favor, hit unsubscribe, then resubscribe again because that somehow helps us. Leave us a rating and review. All these things are the only thing we'll ever ask from you. They're free for you guys. They do take a little bit of time, so we appreciate it, but they make a huge difference for us. So please help us out in that regard. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon.